Hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only your Father, who is unseen, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Shall we pray? Father, I pray that as we approach this Lent season, we would turn our eyes to you, turn our hearts to you, and turn our lives even fuller to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. So, Ash Wednesday, not the happiest subject. but one that I think is really worth thinking about. Have you ever had to run for the train and just missed it? There's nothing more frustrating than seeing the door close in front of you and seeing your ride home travel off into the distance. Well, the passage in Joel 2 that Roger read us is a bit similar to that. It's like having a warning that the train is about to leave from platform two when you're actually on the upper level of Waterloo in Pret-a-Manger having got distracted by coffee and a muffin. When we hear the announcement that that train is about to leave from platform two, we have a choice. Do we A, realise our mistake and run towards the train? Or B, do we stay where we are carry on eating that chocolate muffin because we're probably not quick enough to make it anyway. Sometimes God's call to live the way that he intends in faith and godliness can be portrayed a bit like that. Either we have to be constantly running and hope we make it into his good books or else it doesn't really matter as we're having a great time and we're doing okay on our own and besides there'll be another train anyway won't there? Well, perhaps there's another way. We could start heading in the right direction 
towards the right platform before we have to race to get there. In Joel chapter 2, verse 12 that Roger read, it tells us that God wants us to return to him with our whole hearts. In verse 13, it says we're supposed to rend our hearts and not our garments. It's quite apt for Valentine's Day. I don't know about you, but it's amazing how often I leave the house wearing my breakfast or my dinner. But it's easy to take a layer off when we get dirt on it, isn't it? Pop it in the washing machine and voila, we can wear it again. But what about our hearts? That hidden vital organ inside us that no one really sees. What happens when this gets blocked up? Well, it's definitely a job for the doctor. You can't just give it a quick clean. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke that the good person produces good treasure from the heart and the evil person produces evil treasures from the heart. He says it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. What comes out of our mouth is a symptom of the state of our heart health. We're commanded to love the Lord our God with all our hearts in Deuteronomy. So what's the definition of love? Well, to cling to with affection, to show a great interest in, to cherish, to worship. I wonder, do we do this towards God all the time? Does he come first in our aspirations and our plans as well as our day-to-day decisions? I know I can't say yes to that question. That's where we need to take note of this passage in Joel. Here, the people gather, they consecrate, and they repent. That is, they turn in the right direction back to God, much like we're doing today in this service. But this isn't a passage just about individualism. What we see in this passage is that they mourn and turn back to God as a whole assembly, a nation, a society. This wasn't just an individual show of remorse. In chapter 1, and you can go home and read it, we see that they came as a gathered congregation to repent and pray for deliverance from a great calamity that had affected the people, the land, the natural world. I wonder how comfortable we are repenting for our assembly, our nation, our society, when the consequences of having misaligned cards have repercussions on the people, the land, and the natural world. Do we pray with sadness when people and nature are affected by changes in the climate? Do we cry to God for peace when there are regions torn apart with conflict? How do we respond to local changes that affect the vulnerable? Do we change our stocks and shares when we know they are invested in unethical funds that go against God's ways? And do we repent when society makes work an idol at the expense of God, our families, friends and church? Repentance means to turn around. Well, that means prayer and action. The good news is the message of Joel doesn't end with God's judgment. Read on the next few verses when you go home and you'll hear the rest of the story. 
Here we read that the God of Joel isn't distant. He does care for his people and he cares that they're going to miss the train. So Joel announces loudly that God is full of grace, full of compassion and full of love. He can turn a lack into a bounty and leave behind a blessing in place of want. And today, God calls us to turn to him so that all the blessings he intended for us and creation can be given. God wanted this so much that he made doubly sure by sending Jesus, a human being that had a perfect heart and yet had to rend his physical body so that we could be made well. Perhaps that's one of the things that we can remember on Ash Wednesday as we remember the impartation of ashes. We need to repent and wear the black ashes to remind us of our sick hearts, but we do so in the shape of a cross. That's what's left on our foreheads. A mark of repentance, yes, but also of forgiveness, restoration and love. Perhaps a mark of a train ticket that's already been bought. Amen.